weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we are already getting going here. Uh, special edition of Running with War. Got a uh, Drew with me as usual, and a special guest here, Rob Schaefer, one of my colleagues from NBC Sports Chicago. Glad to have you on, Rob. Uh, definitely. It's you know, despite the fact that he's a Bulls rider, he's not lacked for work over the past couple of days. Uh, given that the you know the Bulls haven't played a game, they were scheduled to play a game tonight. They were scheduled to play on Tuesday, but those games have been pushed back uh, due to the breakout of COVID that that's gone amongst the the roster. But uh, you know, it seems like there's been a turnaround and that uh, things may be steering in the right direction for uh, their playing Sunday game against uh, the Lakers. We're going to get into all that with uh, with Rob here. Just a quick session, like about a half hour or so. Uh, you know, we're just going to chop it up and, and like get some of this uh, updating from, from one of the guys who would know, one of the guys who was steady on the Bulls beat. And Rob, so, uh yeah, Rob, how how the last couple days been, man? How's it been, you know, covering this team at, as this whole, uh, you know, minor emergency has gone on? Yeah, it's been, it's been a little weird. Obviously, during the NBA season, you get conditioned, especially on a one team-specific beat, you get conditioned to kind of every other night there being games. So it's been a little strange to have the gap here. Um, it's also been strange – like I saw a couple of people tweet this joke out today, just the fact that, you know, the volume of tweets from guys like Woj and Shams, like the newsbreaker types, like in a, in a sick, twisted way, it like feels like free agency in terms of just the inundation of notifications, roster moves, like across the league. Like the Bulls might have been the catalyst or kind of the first team to go through this in this recent kind of uptick to the extreme level that they did. But now it's spreading across the league. Um, so it's been a little surreal, like this year started and, Fans were back. Testing was scaled back. You know, 97% of the league is vaccinated. And I think there was a hope that we were going to get back to normal. And there was, you know, a good month, month and a half where, it, you know, we did seem like we were going to get there. And now, you know, variants all over the place, obviously vaccine efficacy for people that are like at the six to eight month range, it kind of wanes a little bit. Um, there's just been a, uh, crazy amount of spread, crazy amount of protocol entries. Um, like even Kyle, you mentioned that the Bulls are, you know, starting to at least get back on the right track, and that's true. But the next opponent on their schedule, the Lakers, now has five guys in protocols. So it's like, yeah. you know, where does it start? Where does it end? Um, like it's just we're at a point of just kind of your head spinning with this stuff that uh, I thought was behind us. I know the league probably thought was behind them, and that we haven't really seen since the beginning of last year. So. You know, the Bulls are weathering the storm. Um, I think as unfortunate as this whole situation is, they got to feel pretty fortunate to have gotten the games postponed that they did because it gives them at least a little bit of a buffer to start uh, getting guys a little bit healthier. Even some of the guys that were just playing heavy minutes are getting injured uh, or, or were injured. Um, you know, you, your mind goes to a guy like Alex Caruso who was dealing with that hamstring strain. Those guys get off their feet for a few days, hopefully get a couple guys back from protocols and – things can start getting close to back to full strength because, um, you know, we were just talking off air. It's like, it's hard to remember what this team even looked like when they had everybody available. They were off to such a crazy strong start and you just hope that uh, something like this doesn't. Uh, oh, <laughs> I accidentally uh, two more. But yeah, but yeah, I, yeah I, I definitely got, got the gist of what you said there. But yeah, that's, 
you know, going off that last point, yeah, that's definitely what uh, you know. You, you def- I, I, I think we'll, I spoke to that a little bit on on uh, a previous show. Like, you don't want, you know, the, with the with the start that they got to seventeen into the start, you don't want this to be a before and after thing mm-hmm. with this breakout, and uh, you know, have it be the the start of some sort of free fall or anything. But uh, you know, you, you know, you spoke about this potential silver lining. Uh, for the Bulls, as far as a, a you know a rest period goes, you know you wrote about that on online this week, and uh, you know how is how is how has the team just sort of been uh, reacting to just things in this immediate last couple of days, you know uh, amongst themselves, you know given there's more surety in amongst the league now, but in, is it as the mood changed to a more positive uh, outlook for the Bulls in in their locker room. Yeah, I mean, there are, like, kind of underlying silver linings, if you will. Like I mentioned the Caruso thing. Billy said today that Caruso is pretty much healed from the hamstring injury, and, um, you know, I I don't think it's any secret that uh, an extra week off without having to actually miss any games probably helped with that. He's He is someone who's not in protocols, has been able to go into the facility, do individual work, get treatment, like get that area, get that area of his body, that right hamstring, like really short up. That's one thing. Got like Lonzo Ball, who's playing 39, 40 minutes a night the last three or four games. You know, he gets off his feet. Um, In terms of like protocols, guys coming back, I mean, we've only heard that Kobe and Javante have actually exited protocols, but even that is progress from where they were when they last played a game in Miami. Um, So, those things are kind of like underlying silver linings, but I still do think that the overall, um, you know, just kind of vibe, if you will, around the team is, uh, you know, a little obviously fatigued. This stuff is a lot to go through um, when you just kind of don't know, you know, which fly is going to drop next. And it seems like this thing is, you know, spreading without, uh, you know, with kind of reckless abandon. And then, um, you know, fortunately, most of the cases that Billy continues to reiterate this have been, you know, either mild symptoms or asymptomatic. So that's obviously very fortunate. Um, but even there, from a player perspective, I would imagine there's a level of frustration where the team's off to a strong start, the team's winning, the team chemistry is phenomenal, um, and now, you know, this wrench gets thrown into it that, you know, as a fully vaccinated team, the Bulls have to feel like was a little bit out of their control. Um, so I think the big picture of it is still unfortunate and probably frustrating. Uh, another thing Billy reiterates is that the team is handling it pretty professionally, so, you know, this is a pretty professional group. I think you could see that through any way that they kind of conduct themselves. Um, so I think when they come out of this thing, they'll, you know, say all the right things about going through the adversity and now they got to come out and respond. Uh, you know, there have, like I said, been a, a couple small silver linings in just the rest and recovery department. Uh, but overall, I think there's still a lot of frustration, a lot of uncertainty moving forward. Like what are the league's protocols? Where do they go from here? I mean, it feels yeah. like they have to ramp up testing. Uh, you know, it feels like they should even implement some stuff. I don't think you can silo guys off the way that they did last year um, in terms of like not being able to go out at all on the road and not being able to live their lives. But there has to be some kind of audible call or some kind of adjustments with, you know, winter ahead, uh, Christmas and New Year's ahead, the amount of uh, protocol entries that we've obviously seen. Um, you know, boosters are available now. I think that's a good resource. Um, but, you know, it's it's – it's frustration for now. And like I said, it's kind of uncertainty ahead with where the NBA goes from here. Even if the bulls have benefited from this week off and maybe hopefully can, you know, get 
mo- even more of their guys out of protocol soon. It's only getting worse uh, around the NBA, and it's it's something that the Players Association of the League is going to have to look really, really, really hard at at making some tough decisions about because the season it, it, they don't they don't want to pause. I think it's I think it's pretty unlikely that the season's going to pause or anything that drastic is going to happen. The league obviously that's the last thing they want to do, but they've got to change something if they want this thing to be tenable um, over the course of the winter. It, Along- Drew, well, uh, I'll I'll let you jump in, in a second, Drew. I was I was to say though. It's a bit of a you know feeling of like you you getting out of the fire pan and into the fire, you know, because with the Bulls, you know, the Bulls may be lucky in that they their outbreak has happened early, yeah. And in regards to them not really having to deal with many debilitating uh, issues with the disease, you know, it's like I say a lot of the guys who've caught who have uh, you know tested positive with COVID have had uh you know not uh, they haven't had the big uh. uh you know uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting the word, but they they haven't they they've been uh asymptomatic as well yeah, yeah. yeah. and every, and all that so um you know with that being the case though like you say is there's still the worry of how things are going to be affected outside of them in the, throughout the league because they may get healthy in the next week or so but you know other teams may not get healthy you just mentioned. Uh, the Lakers having five guys who are uh, under protocol now, and that's supposed to be the next game on Sunday. So the Bulls may have get out of this position where they, you know, they they had their outbreak and they they've maintained it, but they still have to deal with maybe cancellations and things going forward. On top of just the, you know, I'm sure the relative annoyance. Uh, and, and other feelings that come with these increased protocols and increased, uh, you know, uh, you know, with, you know, the, the whatever isolation that they're going to have to uh, deal with again, you know, it's funny because, you know, LeBron, you know, a quote came out for LeBron about, yeah, and we haven't, we're not at the Orlando, we're not at the bubble place yet, but he, he, he mentions having PTSD when he hears the word Orlando now. So I guess that he's probably not the only one, but you Damn. know that's it's it's I didn't yeah. see that. like you say, it's a lot that's still up in the air with these guys and this, and I'm sure like you said they're they're trying as best as they can to avoid that situation again where they have to completely pack up their, and 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 isolate themselves from the rest of the world. Yeah, I just I just can't see that happening again. It's just they gotta they gotta do something because. You know, with the way the testing was, it just seems like it seems like they obviously they wanted to incentivize getting vaccinated. So, you know, the testing regiment was just severely scaled back for vaccinated players, which, you know, seemed reasonable at the time and, and maybe was. But now we've gotten to a situation where, you know, these asymptomatic cases like I we're still kind of getting more information on this. So I don't want to speculate too much, but just given the fact that it seems like the Bulls slew of protocol entries basically just stemmed from the fact that they were getting tested more, you know, um, once Thanksgiving hits, uh, once, uh, you know, Kobe and Javante obviously test positive, then testing is ramped up for the entire team. And then they catch, you know, all these guys. And now all of a sudden you have all these guys in protocols now around the league testing has been ramped up and you're catching all these cases. It just makes me queasy. Cause I'm thinking like, Oh man, how many, you know, asymptomatic cases might not have been caught because guys, you know, weren't displaying symptoms and they weren't getting tested every day. Cause you know, they might've been vaccinated. Like, at the very least, that's something to me that has to get ramped up because, again, like there's no evidence of this, but I, I think pretty much one of the worst things that can happen here is, you know, 
these asymptomatic cases slipping through the cracks and then spreading, um, you know, if guys were to get out and record play or even just participate in team activities, because that's how you get this unmitigated spread. And, you know, one thing that I think about too, just being around the team is like team staff, uh, obviously, you know, close to home broadcasters like Bill and Stacy, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, Stacey was, it, yeah. Stacey it's, it's so easy to, it's so easy to say, well, these guys are professional athletes. Most of them are vaccinated. Like they'll be fine, but they kind of, you know, they aren't the only ones in this equation. Like they still exist in the real world. Right. Um, so again, we'll see what the NBA does, but uh, it's a good point, Kyle, about the immunity thing. Cause I mean, that's kind of, you know, when you see Vooch tweeting, like that's kind of the, the, the dry humor, like <laughs> silver lining that the bulls have taken from this. Like, all right, well, I guess if we just have everybody in now, like, we'll be fine, you know, maybe yeah. not come playoff time because, you know, I, that's still a ways off. But, like, for the next yeah, little Vooch, while. Vooch been about putting three-on-threes on and stuff, too. Like, I'll tell you what, Vooch, Vooch is an underrated Twitter follow. Go look, go look <laughs> at some of his tweets. He, he really is. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, you know, credit to them for keeping their humor with this whole situation. But I guess I guess that is probably the biggest silver lining. When the Bulls do get back to full strength, they'll – they're going to be a Death Star compared to some of these other teams. They to go <laughs> to, similar stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to that point, too, I want to I want to uh, bring up in a minute the uh, after Drew asked you some uh, of the the uh, we we ran that story too about like other Chicago athletes who could because you know with Tim Anderson yeah. uh, tweeting that he could play you know like, like what other athletes could uh, we get from around the city maybe who could play if the, if all the Bulls had to be signed up. Anyway, but you go ahead, man. No, it's like it's like the Bulls had a chicken pox party, man. Um, <laughs> uh, no, along the lines of um, the NBA figuring out what they want to do and how they can best move forward from this, what percentage chance do you see this game being played on Sunday? I know the NBA, <clears throat> excuse me, has been pretty steadfast in that if a team has eight available bodies, they're going to let the game go. But, I mean, <laughs> we've seen it with the Bulls. Like, it's – it's one thing to say that there are eight bodies available, but then there's another question of, okay, but well, who's missing though? What percentage of the team's oomph is is out of the lineup because of because of COVID protocols? Um, what percentage chance do you think this game on on Sunday has of, of actually being played? Well, I think all we can work off of is the information that we have, and I think with five in protocols, it's obviously super unfortunate, but. Like, say the game was being played tonight and the Lakers had five in protocols, I think it would 100% be played. Uh, as long as the on the bull, you know, the Bulls side, obviously the Bulls couldn't play a game tonight because of their own issues, but you know, extrapolate it out and say there's still only five in, in protocols for the Lakers on Sunday, I think it would still be played. That being said, like, I can't speak confidently because I don't know obviously what's going on within the Lakers. Like, I don't know what the odds are of the spread continuing. They, they still have a game tomorrow night before they even come to Chicago. Um, so they're, you know, I think they're on, even on a little bit of a road swing just in general right now. So, I mean, I still think I'm expecting the game to be played on Sunday. Uh, but you know, it's obviously, I can't say it with hundred percent certainty because, um, you know, you just don't know how many more Lakers might go into protocols, even the bulls. I mean, I think a lot of fans were like expecting, you know, for, you know, to hear from Billy today and hear that Demar's out and, you know, Matt Thomas is on the way out and Kobe and Javante are ready to go. But you know, the 10-day thing, it's a benchmark, but it's not always, um, you know, it's not just 10 days and automatically you're out, you're back to normal. You know, there's the cardiac screening stuff, there's ramping back up conditioning. That's very important with guys um, that have just been off their feet for a long time and in some cases have actually obviously had the coronavirus. Like, you got to make sure that you're all, you know, 
shored up before you actually go back out into an NBA game. Um, so, you know, I still don't even know that the Bulls are going to be that much more fully staffed than they were, but I, you know, hopefully they at least will have 10 available guys, you know, 10 or 11, um, nine, 10, 11, something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, as of now, I'm expecting it to be played. Uh, but the Lakers thing is just something to keep a close eye on. Cause if they start getting up towards, you know, eight, nine, 10, like the Bulls had, um, they obviously have Isaiah Thomas in on a hardship, a hardship exception right now. Um, mm-hmm. But the Bulls had two hardship guys too. And, you know, one of them was in protocols instantly. And the other one, you know, when it came down to eight guys left, um, that didn't really make much of a difference. The league still decided to do what they did. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, expect to be played as of right now. But as the last two weeks have shown, I, you got to be ready for anything. So um, definitely not 100, 100% on it. But um, I guess we'll just see what happens. Has, has there been much talk about uh... – the outlook for the rest of the month in regards to, I mean, just keeping it in a, in a competitive sense. Like, you know, there's, there's like three games. I'm looking at the schedule now. There's three games before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we you know there was the reports came out today about Zach and a few others, not even being, you know, pretty much not being available at all to after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, right, right after the holiday, you have uh, a couple games, uh, Pacers come are scheduled to come into town. Then they travel to the Hawks. Uh, you know, home and home with the Hawks uh, on Monday and Wednesday after Christmas, and then the Pacers on New Year's uh, Eve mm-hmm. in India in in Indianapolis. So, has there been any thought or any you know, or if you just want to you know go off of your own uh, in, intuition, like what do you think? You know, what can we expect to see from from this team uh, over these next couple weeks? Yeah, I think on the on the guys, I think it was Zach, Io, Troy. Mm-hmm and uh, Alizé that Billy kind of lumped in as the guys that we probably won't see until after Christmas. I think people saw that and, you know, immediately panicked because that's nine days away and, oh, my God, they'll have been out for all this time. (laughs) But really, if you look at the schedule, like you just said, Kyle, like the Bulls have three games from now until Christmas. So basically all Billy was saying was that they're not going to be back by December 22nd, which which if you look at when they entered protocols and when 10 days would be, it kind of makes sense, right? I think Zach was the – 12th he would have been the day after the miami game so that puts his 10 days at december 21st so you know when you talk about the cardiac screening and the conditioning ramp up adding a day or two like you know if you just did the the math on it it was going to be super unlikely that he was going to be back by december 22nd anyway um same goes for troy uh you know io is a day earlier that would have been a tricky you know a a tough window to squeeze into and then obviously alizé um, I think his 10 days is December 22nd. So really all that after Christmas means is that they're not going to be available until at least December 23rd. And then the Bulls have that three days off stretch. Uh, and then Pacers Hawks, I think is the back-to-back on the 26th and the 27th. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. So yeah we'll uh, see. Pacers, then uh, Hawks on the 27th yeah. and 29th. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, first, I, I think DeMar coming back is going to make a huge difference whenever that happens. Obviously, because he's been he's just been the best player on the team this season. Uh, he has the capability to kind of carry you through a tough game, two-game, three-game stretch. All things considered, the Lakers, uh, obviously, they're a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. They do, have star ta- they do have star power. I think that's a tough matchup, as shorthanded as they are on the 19th. Houston, I wish I could write them off. Uh, obviously, we can't write that team off. So Right. We couldn't write them off in the last game. Definitely. We couldn't write them off at full strength. So certainly yeah. can't write them off now. And they've, I mean, they've been playing well since that game. So, uh, you know, hats off to them. Um, but then Houston, and then you have Toronto at home the 22nd. And then that's when you jump to, okay, then they don't play again until the 26th. And you have that yeah. window. 
you know, I don't see that three-game stretch. It's not an easy stretch by any means. It's hard to find an easy three-game stretch in the NBA with, with how much talent is in the league. But I also don't see it as like, all right, that's three surefire losses and all of a sudden, you know, the sky is falling. They're at 17 and 13 and have fallen back to earth. Sure. Like, you know, it, 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 it depends on who comes back in that little stint right there. But Lakers, Rockets, Raptors, like, would it totally shock you guys if they found a way to go two and one out of those three, even with the bodies that they do have, especially if DeMar comes back in that in that little, you know, four-day um, stretch? It wouldn't totally shock me. Even if they go one and two, I don't think that's the end of the end of the world. Um, frankly, it's, it's I will say – better that they have the games at home, at least. Like, that mean, too. That too. They, them, they, yeah. they get a nice stretch of games at home, which is huge. Yeah. Um because if a guy's in protocols, no, like, it just makes it a little bit more easy for them to be flexible to come back. Like if they're on the road and they don't travel with the team to begin with, that can pretty much just like rule you out for a given road trip or whatever. So that makes it easier. Um, what was a little discouraging to me, honestly, like I know it's easy to write off the, the Cleveland game and the Miami game before the postponements because of how shorthanded they were. The fact that they got waxed the way they did in those two games was a little discouraging to me, even as shorthanded as they were. Because they still did have Zach, Lonzo, Vooch in those games. Obviously, Vooch has got to play yeah. better. Um, but they, so the Miami game was tough, but Cleveland's been kind of whooping on a lot of people. Yeah, they've been balling. Yeah, they've been balling. <laughs> um, man, yeah, they, 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 they're really legitimately good. One of, one of the better storyline uh, stories in the NBA this year, 100%. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, who knows, man? Maybe, you know, Vooch, if there is a mental aspect to his struggles, maybe a week off helps him, you know, get his yeah. mind right. I don't know. Um so we'll see, but you know, if they're one and two, two and one in those three games, I think those are pretty reasonable outcomes. Um, and then you know, another little break here, another little hiatus of the twenty third, the twenty fourth, and twenty fifth being off gives you another chance to uh, to maybe get some guys back. We'll see, um, but certainly the, the two postponements this week helps them a lot because if you add those two games into those three games and they were so shorthanded for all of those, I mean, then you're looking at a five game stretch where they could have really struggled. That could have been a big big problem but that's at least mitigated a little bit yeah. rob speaking of, of of vooch i've I've been of the mind that he's eventually going to come around i know we've seen two or three two three four games where he's kind of been what we've expected um as observers of this team and the fact that he's the third wheel so to speak and he's he's being able to play off of DeRozan and levine and because of that a lot of the shots he's taken are open whether they're on a perimeter or right at the basket, I feel like he's eventually going to come around. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, is there any any part of you that thinks that Bulls fans are expecting too much of him? Because I've heard that go around a little bit by another um, another uh, kind of member of the Bulls community in the Twitter's verse. Um, Doug Tonus was, you know, he's kind of down on the the Vucevic trade from the beginning, mm -hmm. and. He was, his point was that he kind of saw a little bit of this coming, um, almost to the point where I'm kind of paraphrasing, but that Vucevic's numbers kind of didn't give the complete story of the type of player that he was coming over from the Magic. And I just wonder, in your perspective, if you think that maybe expectations were set too high for him. Well, for this year, I don't think that individual expectations for Vucevic were crazy high, right? Like, I think even before this year, nobody expected him to struggle like this, but most – you know, people looking at the team would have expected him to be the third wheel of the Zach Damar Vooch kind of scoring trio. So I think his volume going down um, and his counting stats going down was always expected. That being said, it's been the efficiency that's really, really killed him. 
And to me, I look at it and I think by far the biggest area is the finishing. His at the rim finishing is he's gone from, you know, steady to above average in that area for his position to just, you know, I, I, I was looking at cleaning the glass the other day. They had him at 51% shooting at the rim. So like that's for a guy of his size. And, you know, I think Vooch gets the, the label slapped on him that he's, you know, kind of a perimeter big and he, he's a jump shooting big, but he does it when he's playing his best, like to have that balance of, you know, being in the post, being inside um, and then playing inside out, um, kind of playing off of off of himself there. Um, so, you know, I've, I've looked at that throughout his struggles as an area that's ripe for correction. Like if he can just bring his, you know, at the rim field goal percentage up to bat the, you know, the 65% range that he's typically been at. I think his whole profile looks a lot different. His, the three point shooting has obviously slipped too, but even that is in the 34 to 35% range. Like that's a little bit below average, if not average, whereas typically he's been well above average for his position. Um, so that's, that's an issue too. And that, you know, I, that to me maybe is a little bit more a sign of just general decline. Obviously he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, but at the same time, I, I have always thought of Vucevic as someone whose game would age well, just cause he's so skilled. Um, and you know, shooting, I think that it really can stretch your career out. Um, especially as a center, having that shooting ability. Um, so I don't know if too much was expected of Vooch this year. Cause I think a decline in volume, um, was always expected to me. What I didn't expect was a decline in volume to affect his efficiency this much. And I do think there is a deeper aspect to that than this just being a slump, like in the sense that this is a guy that in Orlando, built himself into the type of player that he was and accrued the statistics that he did being such a primary focal point that things were always, always running through him. And maybe what we underrated is how difficult it would be to adjust from that. Like always knowing where your next touch was coming from, always knowing that you were getting your 15 to 20 shots a game, always knowing you were getting your 10 to 15 post-ups. Like, um, you know, the, when those things get kind of taken away or adjusted and now you're like primarily a, a screen and roll big, um, like just that stuff throwing him off his rhythm. I think maybe that was a little bit underrated. Um, and to me, that's been the biggest, you know, thing with his efficiency as well as the finishing. Um, the finishing thing to me, I mentioned the mental aspect of this. Like, I don't want to speak for Vooch, but just when you're missing the type of bunnies that he is, you have to imagine that seeps into your mental at some point. I just know it would for me. So, you know, uh, that hopefully uh, could be kicked. Um but yeah, I, I, I don't know if the expectations are the issue here. I think it's just the role adjustment, uh, obviously the efficiency, the the games where, you know, he misses his first couple shots and it snowballs into these, you know, seven for 23, eight for 24 shooting nights that just can't happen, especially when the Bulls are this shorthanded. Um, those to me are the bigger issues than uh, the expectations. Um, I, and I, I still think it's, it's a little bit too early, just around the 20 game mark for him. I still think it's a little bit too early to say anything declarative about, oh, this is career decline for him. I'm not, I'm not there yet, but you know, you start to get more and more existential with how much you ponder this stuff, the, the longer it goes on. So at game 40 or 50, you know, you just hope that he's still not mired in this or else you have to maybe have a tough conversation about, man, we really gave up a lot in that trade and it is for a guy on the wrong side of 30 and, you know, shoot with how bold this front office has been and with how much they just completely fleeced, this off season and the free agency period in every respect, like, man, would you rather have those assets now to maybe make a move with the team or construct the way it is. But I still think we're, you know, a ways away from that. And uh, I'm still willing to give Vooch just because I've seen the track record from him 
I'm just willing to give him a little bit more leash uh, to figure this thing out. Um, in a weird way, three more games with the team being as shorthanded as it is without Zach and Demar. I think you can. We- I think you can, in a weird way, say that this is an opportunity for him to have a, a, a level of usage that is a little bit more analogous to his Orlando years, and maybe that's when he can kind of find himself a little bit. I don't know. It's something that I'm watching, uh, certainly, especially after having that that week off. See how he responds to it. Well, Rob, we'll hit a couple quick things with you. Uh, me and Drew yeah. going to hang on for a little bit longer, but we'll let you go uh, right quick. Enjoy the rest of your evening. But I want to hit a couple quick things with you. Uh, along the lines of what, you know, what y'all were just saying, you know, uh, I, w- I was wondering what we what in regards to sort of expectations versus reality, what has been what do you think has been sort of the biggest story? I, I'm, I'm just, I was going to frame it first as pleasant surprise. I don't want to lead you, but, you mm-hmm. know, it could be a, it could be, I think we've mostly been dealing with pleasant surprises in regards yes. to the Bulls so far this year. So, but in, in your in your opinion, what do you think has been sort of the biggest difference in regards to expectations versus reality in, you know, sort of leading the Bulls to get to where they've been in this, uh, you know, uh, pretty decent start? I think the uh, I think the easy answer would be DeRozan, but I think especially yeah. offensively, I think if you really dug into it, a lot of what he's done and helped the Bulls with was kind of predictable once you really dug into what the fit actually looked like. So I'm going to go with the defense. I think I was someone who thought that this would be an above a slightly above average defensive team, and I think I like at, in the off season. Um, I think that was viewed as like a crazy, overly optimistic take because a lot of people had this group given how undersized they were and with Vooch at center. Uh, like I think a lot of people thought they could be a bottom 10 to bottom five defensive team. The fact that they've been top 10 and, you know, it's still early in the season. So rankings kind of shift on a daily basis, but they've been in the top five for a lot of the season on that end. And what they're doing looks entirely sustainable um, to me. And I will take it in the pleasant surprise direction. Cause we gotta, we gotta talk about some, you know, good, good news, you know, with, with all sure. this dark stuff going on. That's been uh, probably the biggest pleasant surprise to me. I don't think I'm as surprised as a lot of people seem to be just because the perimeter upgrades were obvious in the moment. Now, the impact that those perimeter upgrades have had, like as much as you can know how terrific uh, of defensive players Lonzo Bell and Alex Caruso are, you just – to see how well it was going to work, you just can't fully appreciate that or understand it until you see the two of them like kind of playing off of each other uh, defensively. It's really just worked brilliantly. They've been way more versatile, way more athletic um, than they were last season when they still had a slightly above average defense, but they were just a little bit more rigid in what they were able to do. Um, you know, Billy from day one has come in with a game plan on that end and has elicited buy-in. I think he deserves a lot of credit. To me, that's where his impact, like other than, you know, all the things you hear about Billy as a communicator and like a personality manager, like that stuff, obviously he has a big impact on. But schematically, I think defensively, he's been um, tremendous coaching this group up. And it shows, you know, why he's never really had a below average defense at the NBA level. Like that's, this is where he breads his butter. He's, he's a defensive minded coach. Um, so yeah, that, that's been the area uh, to me that they've really not only been good on that end, actively good, but that's really been kind of the identity of the team. Like they get a lot of offense from their defense. Um, you know, they're just, when they look their best, they're flying around, they're getting deflection, steals, blocks, shot contests, switching on to everybody, um, getting out in transition. Um, that to me has been the biggest, uh, pleasant surprise. Like the pieces on that end have just fit together 
so, so perfectly. We figured they would offensively, but on that end, for them to also be doing that um, has been, uh, I think, a huge driving force in their success. And I got to, before you go, I got to inquire about, and and you you sort of giving yourself away with this because you wrote a a nice detailed piece about uh, Robert Covington this week. But uh, what do you think about, uh, because, you know, every day some writer or some tweeter has, you know, the Bulls, they they have they absolutely have to pick up insert your uh, yeah. your name here be a big uh, moderately good big man or something like that, but uh you know you you wrote a you wrote a nice detailed piece about the potential fit for Robert Covington on the Bulls, and uh you know would would you think that would be the move that the Bulls could make prior you know going up to the trade deadline or is there other moves that you think could be prom potential moves that could be promising for the Bulls to uh. You know, it, it, you know, I'd say attempt to upgrade themselves for a playoff run. Yeah. So Covington is a guy I've had my eyes on uh, for a while, only because the Portland situation is obviously very tenuous. Like you just don't know what's going on there. Could they be sellers? Could they blow it up? Even if they don't blow it up, could they just look to shake things up in some respect? Yeah. Um, Covington. And this is why I'm just like a, a wet blanket type of guy. Like as much as I think, yes, obviously it would be great if the Bulls could add. Jeremy Grant. It would be great if the Bulls could add Harrison Barnes or Pascal Siakam or a lot of like the the the, the best case scenario names I see floating around on Twitter. I am a little too like I just get a little too harsh with this stuff. I'm like a little bit too negative. Like I always try to poke a hole in the trade idea because um, I'm just trying to be realistic about it. And the things that appeal to me about Covington, obviously he's you know uh, in his prime was one of the more impactful off ball defenders in the league. Um, just a he- like I think it would really fit into the Bulls you know, kind of swarming style. He's a really good rim protector for a forward. Um, is always near the top of the league and steals deflections. Like he would really, really fit on that end. Um, yeah, you really laid that out. Like, well, I, I forget the, the stats exactly. What, what were those, what were those stats exactly that you, I, I don't have them off the top of my head, but he's basically been since, you know, since he got traded to Minnesota originally. And he kind of like switched full time to power forward. Like since that yeah, time, he, to Minnesota, yeah. he's basically just been top 10 in steals every year. Um, I think 14 was the lowest, and that was one season. And then this year, um, he's fallen off. And and actually, it sounds weird to say, that's part of what appeals to me about him if I'm the Bulls because the Bulls are pretty limited asset-wise. Like, they've got – they can't trade any of their own future first-round picks. They can only trade this Blazers pick that they got in the Lowry market and sign and trade. Salary-wise, you know, or just like player asset-wise, obviously – well, Patrick Williams is never somebody that would be involved in a trade for Robert Covington, but you know, him being injured, his value just kind of being nebulous. Like it would probably have to be in the eye of the right team in terms of like a, the eye of the beholder. Um, you've got Kobe white is a pretty good middling salary. Maybe, you know, in the eyes of the right team, he he's got potential. I would be surprised if he has much positive trade value right now, just his season has been so rocky so far. Um, and he's, you know, extension eligible next off season. It's just a tough, it's a tough little middle ground to be in if you're a team trading for him. But he makes, you know, $5.8 million a year. Troy Brown Jr., 5.1. That gets you to Covington's salary. Um, and, you know, maybe the Blazers see something in one of those two guys. Um, you know, maybe they want their first-round pick back. I don't know. I just I just thought because he's had a little bit of a down year, um, he's another guy. I think he just turned 31. So you wonder if he's on the downslope of his career. But because of sort the of a depressed at so like a money ball thing, like a buy a buy low, asset, a buy low. But a buy not low. too depressed. Yeah. A buy low, a guy that you yeah. could plug in at that four spot, I think at the starting four spot, and just kind of give you exactly what the Bulls need at that spot, which is veteran 
defensive mentality, really great in passing lanes, high IQ at getting deflections and steals. It fits really well with their defensive identity. And he knows who he is offensively. Like he just chucks threes. That's I think 73% of his field goal attempts this year are threes. And even in down season, he's shooting 34, 34, 35%, something around there, which on this bulls team would be valuable to be honest at a team that shoots threes at such a low volume as they do. Um, and just don't have many reliable high volume three point shooters. He, to me, is a guy that is a reasonable, realistic, buy-low candidate. He's attainable. He's on an expiring contract, so it's not like he's killing you from a salary cap perspective if it doesn't work out immediately um, or if he really is on a downswing in his career. And if he's a guy that you know you get out of a situation in Portland that has just been absolute chaos for the last six months or so, get out of that situation, go to a contending situation in Chicago where the team chemistry – is and I'm not, I'm really not even just saying this of a Bulls reporter like it really is you know among the best in the league that I I can't imagine many teams have better you know team wide buy in and like just guys celebrating each other's successes than this Bulls team does get into that type of environment maybe he's energized and with the amount of scoring talent that the Bulls have they really just need him to lock in defensively and you know uh, space the floor and even if he's eight to ten points five to six rebounds a steal and a half a game. Like that's just more than everything you could ask for from that position, because as great as Javante has been as great as Derek Jones jr. Have, has been those guys to me, especially when we start talking about playoffs are best cast as like these bench, you know, coming off the bench and bringing real energy and disrupting the flow of a game for 20 minutes a game. Like, I don't, I don't know if you want to roll into a, and this is no disrespect to Javante Green. He's been awesome this season, but I don't know if you want to roll into a playoff series, especially like say a second round playoff series, against one of the top four seeds in the East with Javante Green as your starting power forward. I just don't know if you want to do that. Um, And it would be great to get a Barnes, a Grant, somebody like that. But to me, I I just am looking at, you know, guys a a tier or two below that that maybe are more realistic to get with the assets that the Bulls have. Covington, like I said, is a guy I've really been fixated on. I've just been kind of keeping track of him for the last two or three weeks because it just popped into my head a couple weeks ago. Now there's reporting from Jake Fisher at Bleacher Report who gets a lot of stuff right um, that the Blazers are shopping him and Yusuf Nurkic. So um, if I was the Bulls, I'd take a look at it. I don't think it's 100% a slam dunk. I don't think it automatically makes them title contenders. There's a little bit of risk to it because Covington has had a down year. Um, but if he came at a reasonable price, uh, I think he could do a lot worse. And uh, to me, the potential is there for him to be energized and uh, and make an impact. So, um, you know, it's not <laughs> – it's not the sexiest. Uh, it's not the sexiest pick. People don't come to podcasts and live streams to hear uh, about the case for the Bulls trading for Robert Covington. But yeah, we're not going to get a bunch of Bleacher Report uh, and you know uh, fan sided uh, spots on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's I, it's a good idea, man. I I, I like it. it. You know, maybe you can speak it to existence. And the thing with the with the Bulls and Acme, the way that they work, like. They they sort of go into dealing with one thing, and they come out with you know a lot more than what they might initially uh you know they cast their reel and they come out with a with a big old marlin or something instead of a a little uh, <laughs> little goldfish you know and that's and that's why I've been hesitant to say that they can't get Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant or anybody because I look at the assets I don't see a way they're going to do it but I looked at their assets coming into this offseason I didn't see a way they were getting Lonzo Ball Demar Derozan Alex Caruso and here yeah. we are so I. You know, I just don't. I don't want to rule anything out. Um, but yeah, that's that seems realistic to me. And one other thing I'll throw out there: this is not based on any reporting or like hard information. This is just like speculation and just like 
just from what I know about NBA trades, like a lot of this stuff is based on relationships, obviously. The Bulls and Blazers just worked on that pretty, you know, convoluted and complex sign and trade with um, uh, Larry Markinen. Obviously, Derek Jones Jr. Uh, came to Chicago in that deal. So there is, you know, some level of rapport between those two front offices. Uh, the caveat being that the Blazers uh, just lost their head of basketball operations, Neil Olshay, after that investigation yeah. of workplace misconduct. So, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe that's not even, um, you know, as much of a, of a, you know, a point anymore of emphasis, the fact that there is that kind of dialogue or, or that pre-existing dialogue there. Um, but something I'm my eye on. Yeah. I, um, like once I, once pe- people started floating out the idea of Harrison Barnes coming to the bull, the bulls, like I can't unhear it now. So I'm like fixated on him, but I'd be happy with Grant. I'd be happy with Rocco too. Like if, if the bulls are able to find a way to get him in here, um, and like you said, kind of provide more than what the utility of what Derrick Jones Jr. and Javante Green can. I mean, that's, that's still a, a step in the right direction. I just think an average starting four on this yeah. team and your, you know, your ceiling is raised. An above average starting four and, you know, things are getting interesting. And then I know people want to be, uh, like a big two, you know, some some depth in the front court that's like a tra- in a traditional big man form. I've always thought of that as something that you can find on the buyout market, especially if the Bulls stay, you know, in this strata of the Eastern Conference, if they can stay at this level of contention, like yeah. maybe you're attractive to a big on the buyout market. I've always thought of that as being the solution there. And then with what little trade assets you have, that you go chase the upgrade at a position that's a little bit more of a premium, which is kind of like big wing power forward that, you know, that can defend and space the floor. I mean, that's, you know, that's like the most coveted thing in the sport. Like everybody wants those types of players. So. Uh, and they will be lucky if they can if they can go out there and find one. Yeah, and they still got the Tice exception, right? They do. Um, they do. So that could come into play. I'm a, I'm a little. I, I wonder if it would come into play with a guy like Covington who, who makes like twelve or thirteen million dollars a year. Um, just because if you did use it, you'd be taking on a lot of extra salary. I envision the Tice exception coming into play for like a lower salary guy where you could you know in the five or six million dollar range, but. I, just because I, I think the luxury tax is, you know, I just I just don't know if the Bulls are gonna, you know, be playing with that this year. And they're and they're only two or three million dollars under it right now. I think Bobby Mark said the other day they're two point nine million under it. Um, so that's something that I expect them to take into account when they're doing all this stuff. But uh, the Tice exception is something to keep an eye on. Um, they do have that through the rest of the year, so that'll be something to keep track of with this stuff too. Okay. I, that's that's why I love that's why I love you, Drew, because you you could throw something like that out. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of nothing like no like no exception from the tie strike. Because I'm reading KC and then Rob, man, I don't know exactly how it works. I just know it's there. Well, hell, I I edited them and I ain't even think of that. So I mean, <laughs> that was wrong with me. But, but anyway, uh, let, <laughs> let, since we went we went a little long on that last subject, but I, I got to jump off in a little bit because I got another show I got to do in about a half hour. So I'm not going to keep us too long. But I, I just wanted to go before we wrap up on into that <laughs> that story that we ran. Uh, Brian, I got Brian Murphy wrote about other Chicago athletes that could fill in for the Bulls, like sort of sparking off the uh, like I say the tweet that. Uh, Tim Anderson made yeah. earlier in the week, sort of offering his services. And uh, I just want to mention the other athletes that were mentioned in the piece. And they mentioned, of course, Tim, uh, Nick Foles, who apparently has a basketball 
uh, background. I, I think I did. I remember him having some sort of basketball background in high school and stuff. And um, you know, he's. I guess he you say he was recruited by Georgetown, which would have been pretty interesting. Uh, him going to Georgetown uh, uh, for some obvious reasons, but uh, uh, of course, also Candace Parker is mentioned. Uh, shout out to Candace, by the way, for her uh, great. Uh, you know, great news that she uh, let the world in on yesterday about a you know a second child and her her wife that uh, that she's hid <laughs> in the cut. But uh, you know, definitely, I'm, I'm definitely all about. I would love Candace to play like one game as a bull before she retired. I don't know if we could make that happen somehow. I would actually uh, very much uh, you know root for that. But uh, Jimmy Graham. Uh, who, yeah, I think a lot of people know he played ball at Miami as a uh, mm-hmm. college. Uh, Leangelo Ball, who isn't a Chicago athlete yet, but I guess he's related to one, so we can uh, count him. A lot of people have been talking about Leangelo getting on the Bulls, you know, for, you know, I guess to to help the, the guard part of the roster. But, uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, uh, Martellus Bennett is mentioned in this piece as well. Uh, you know, he was at Texas A&M, played some ball there. Julius Peppers, I don't know if we can if we got enough money to get him off his behind at this point, but <laughs> they have to use more than that Tice exception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was he was a big baller at uh North Carolina for those who don't remember. And, and uh yeah, that's it. But any of those people, uh it, like if you had to dream up a situation where the Bulls just did something like on some Bill Vec, you know, <laughs> uh stunt stuff, you know. Who, who want to see out of those folks play a game for the Bulls? Like, like I said, I, 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 I'm putting uh, Candace Parker down. In my yeah, Candace is a good answer. If I if I gotta go, somebody else, I, I'll go Leangelo. Man, screw it. Like let's let's get to let's get all three of them in the NBA. I want to see Lavar <laughs> show up for a game. I want to see what he, he has to it. say about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a shooter. Bulls need shooting. You know, yeah. um, he was going off. I remember in summer league, like. The the crowd reaction, and I was there towards the tail end of summer league when the crowds weren't as big, but the crowd reaction, the Bulls played the Hornets in the last game of their summer league schedule. Every time Leangelo touched the ball, every time Leangelo shot the ball, every time he made a shot was like um, electric. So uh, he's got a little cult following. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of fun. It'd be kind of cool. I'm, I'm being a little selfish as a, as a media person. It would just be a good, um, be a good story. Yeah, I understand perfectly, yeah. <laughs> and, it's the, uh, and it's the most realistic of those options. But, uh, yeah, that that'd probably be Have you favorite. ever talked to LeVar in a, in a scrum or a one-on-one? I have never met LeVar before. Uh, although he has he has been at games, and I've never seen him until I see on the broadcast, like, oh, he's sitting courtside. And then, you know, the game has already started or whatever. But, no, I, I've, I've, uh, I've never met him Um I hope I do. I hope I do get to meet him one day, but uh, sure. he's not uh, he's not around as much as I think he was in like Lonzo's early Laker days, and and then he was like, you know, going on first take all the time and going on all these yeah. shows. Uh, but that was one not, of the things like you had to worry about before, you know, when, when it was still just talk about uh, Lonzo coming to Chicago. You had to worry about like, well, how much will Levar come and derail everything if. If he, you know, but but he's been pretty cool. Like I, yeah. I like see, he had the one appearance a couple weeks ago, right before the Charlotte game, when you know when when they played Lonzo and, and Melo. But outside of that, he's been pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and it's so funny too when you talk to Lonzo, and I, I even um, 
talked to, I interviewed LaMelo for the, the first time I'd ever talked to him uh, when Charlotte was in town. Like they're just the most laid back, like uh, obviously the, their, their level of maturity um, at their age is pretty, is pretty amazing. Like um, it's just, it's just so funny how, you know, like it, that they are his children. Like, it's just, it's just funny how that, how that worked out, but obviously they've, you know, being in the spotlight for as long as they have, I'm sure it gives them, uh, has, you know, given them a fast track in terms of, you know, growing up and, and maturing yeah. and um, just kind of having a lot already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, LeVar, LeVar has not been as much of uh, as much in the Chicago scene. I, I, I was never too concerned about that, but I know a lot of people were like, oh man, back in a big market, like who knows? Um, but it, it's been, it's been pretty tame so far. I do like that hat that he wears to games, though. With the what does it say? I think it's "I told you so." I or told something. you so. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. Good. That's He's got a whole line of stuff just saying "I told you so." <laughs> if Leangelo gets a, a solid spot in the league, he's going to definitely put out that. That's I, I want to see what he shows up in. He's got he's get a full tracksuit. Like I, it would be amazing. Would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because uh, Lavar has "I told you so," and I think Dale Curry had the word "I never knew." Hmm. Shirt or hat or something like that. About like, yeah. even what the other day. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but Drew, Drew, what, uh, what, what's your answer, right quick, for for we? Uh, I want to go on Candace, but in the in the interest of being different, I'm gonna go with Ta man. Go with Tim Anderson. He's a showman. You know that guard rotation is a little tight, but if we're talking about just filling in for right now, I can't imagine they need, like, any, they need any position ball? right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Did he, did he play it? Um, he played. So he played in high school. Um, I think it was Hillcrest. It was called in in, in Tuscaloosa. He's a state okay. champ. Mm-hmm. And I was I was reading around a little bit after that piece. I just, I was like Google. I was like, did he play in college or anything? Apparently, he got recruited. And you know, obviously now everybody who gets asked about Tim Anderson as a basketball player, it's well, he could have done either one, and you know, who knows? Yeah. But apparently, like knee injuries kind of screwed with him in a basketball mm-hmm. sense. Obviously, things have worked out in baseball uh, pretty well for him. Um, but no, he's got chops. Like he definitely, you know, he's a state champ. You know, was recruited, so he's uh, um, he certainly got talent in there. I'd be interested to see what he looks like now. And I wasn't able to find. This is something if I dug even a little bit deeper, I probably could have found. I wasn't able to find any highlights or stats for him. So I don't really know what his game like what type of game he he had. Like I, I don't really know what his forte was. If he was more of a distributor or a scorer, or, I'm just not really sure. Um but he, he'd be interested <laughs> in the sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's let him run a couple. Let, that he should do like next year he should do like a, a, a preseason game or something. Like you know that that would be like say just on some stunt stuff like you know you know that'd be fun but yeah, yeah. But, I, I, but I guess though given given what preseason is you would want him to be busy with the socks during that time so I guess yes that might not work. yes you would yeah also so. yeah the so- even if they weren't busy I don't know try pitching that to the White Sox yeah we want yeah. to an NBA game and- down with some NBA guys. That sounds like a good idea to you guys, right? <laughs> what? what Chairman, I have to put his foot down. Like, you know, you know I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jordan, the one guy that can count on and come playoff time. Yeah. Uh. yeah. True. <laughs> him and Lori. Him and, him and uh, Lori. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, man, I, I really appreciate y'all coming on, man. Uh, it's been pretty, pretty nice little, uh, I say, just a quick. Quick little show, less little, a little less involving than our regular shows. Uh, we couldn't get a uh, no. Josh and Chris couldn't make it today, 
But we're going to try to get together one more time uh, before the end of the year, sort of a year and wrap up thing with our regular guys uh, running uh, running with war. But uh, Rob, man, definitely appreciate you coming back on, man. We'll uh, definitely love to get you back on again soon. 100%. You know where to find me. Always good. Always good chatting with you guys. Thanks, For bro. sure, man. Rob, definitely read his stuff all the time. I I look over some of it uh, on NBC Sports Chicago. <laughs> Uh, NBCSports.com slash Chicago. And, uh, of course, all the other um, uh, outlets that NBC Sports has. He's one of the best, Rob Schaefer. Drew, man, uh, uh, what you, you got anything going on, man, for, uh, before we go? Not at the moment. Working on some stuff in my head, but life has been kind of taking me away. Yeah, you've been uh, kind of busy, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even see the last two Bulls games, man. That's how, like, kind of out of the loop, you know, you didn't, um, miss, you didn't miss much. Man, well, Adam Amin Adam shouted me out, and I missed it live. Luckily, Jack Oh, Silver you were watching live when that happened? Oh, that's yeah. a lot. That was cool. That was cool. Wait, Amin, I, I ain't hear it. Amin shouted me out? The Lonzo Ball, Fro, Braid stats. Oh, yeah. yeah we, didn't, we didn't even talk about that because you didn't get it. You, didn't, you I, like, I didn't remember the stats. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, no. I, I, I got to go back and – it's a lot of numbers, man. So I got to go back and, you know, go through it again, parse through it. I got it on a spreadsheet now to make it easier, but yeah, there man. You go. Uh, okay. What name <laughs> was that? I could I could probably look back on it. On. Uh, Cle- Cleveland, I believe. Was it Cleveland? That was last Wednesday. Was that Cleveland? I, I think it was Cleveland only because yeah. I was there in Cleveland, so I didn't hear it live, but I saw you tweet it, Drew. So I, I, think, it, I think if it was Miami, I was at home for that one. I think I would have seen it live. So I think it was Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know how I missed that. Uh, CS, <laughs> I told you getting famous, man. Nah, man. <laughs> nah, man. Just looking, looking at silly stuff with hair, man. That's all, man. That's all that is. That's how, <laughs> that, that, that works, though. That works. But, yeah. But, but, but yeah. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I like said, keep up with Drew, man. The 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 price is getting big, uh, bigger every day on with Drew, man. Because he getting he getting more attention every day, but. Uh, definitely Rob. Like I say, Rob, you know where to get his stuff. Uh, follow, keep following us here with War Media. And, um, yeah, we'll talk We'll talk to y'all next week. Like I said, we'll, probably one more show before the end of the year. And uh, you can check me out, too, in about a half hour. Uh, stay on our YouTube. I'll be uh, on live uh, with uh, Dave Evans and Abstract Mind State. We're doing a, a show in the building talking about their album with Kanye and all that. So. Uh, definitely check that out if you if you into Chicago hip hop. Uh, that was that's gonna be a good one. But uh, yeah, thanks again, fellas, and uh, we'll talk to y'all later. All right, appreciate it, guys. Yes, sir. See. You.